This episode of Pompey Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. To stay in the know about everything happening at Fratton Park, including the latest news, analysis and transfer updates, take out an online Pompey subscription with the Portsmouth News today at portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Hello and welcome to another edition of Pommy Talk. My name is Mark McMahon and Jordan Cross is now paying attention. So welcome Jordy and welcome Sam. He's all right, lads. <laughs> okay, it's okay. Heading the phone as I seem to be spending most of my days at the moment. True, is it true, Jordy? There's rumours going about that you are in a Twitter battle with Sean William fans at Pompey. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, Mark. I wouldn't say that at all. You wouldn't say that. I'm not the slightest. I'm just engaging with fans on Twitter. In, and engagement. As part, of our, part of our job, as you well know. Indeed, indeed. Right. Okay, well, Sean Williams isn't transfer related. So the onus is at the minute is obviously transfers. Um, four, four and a half days to go until the transfer window closes. Jordy, what's your verdict on it so far and what Danny Curley has managed to achieve? Yeah, encouraged, encouraged overall as a whole. Um, still, uh, ultimately, I think, you know, you know, it'll be come to the 1st of February and then you will reflect. It's got the potential as we sit here to be a very good window, but there still needs to be that final piece or two in the jigsaw for that to be the case. I, I have been encouraged chiefly early on by the way they got the players out, which I thought would be very difficult. I thought we could be stuck here now with Harrison. I thought there'd be takers for. I thought Downing maybe might be tough. I thought John Marcus would be very tough. And I know I'm not alone in thinking that in terms of the people that are uh, in the corridors of power at Portsmouth, shall we say. Um, so for those to go out of the door um, and then obviously the low knees as well to free up that space. Alex Bass, which I totally understand, and there needs to be some clarity about that with supporters, about what the idea is with Bass in terms of freeing up wages, and it's a long-term view um, to give it some flexibility now. Coming the other way, yeah, I, I was, I was um, very encouraged with Hayden Carter's debut um, at Wimbledon. Very good. Obviously, not shakier as a whole, but look at the goal at Sunderland and culpability there. Um, but Let's judge that over, over a longer um, period of games. Tyler Walker, yeah, look, you know, I like the look of that. And um, he, he needs team time to get up to speed. But as his teammates said last week, um, you know, he's had that, Marlon Romeo speaking after the game, he's had that time to settle now. Um, or not you know, settle, but have that couple of games to shrug off the ring rust. And then Denver Hume, uh, which has caused a bit of a furore you know, for a number of different reasons and from the Sunderland angle and... Uh, the contract wrangle that he had there, and they, they seem to be happy to let them go. You know, safe in the knowledge they've got Dennis Serkin, who's a very good player, and Noel Huggins. And um, there's a lot of criticism of Denver Hume off the back of the contracts. But the encouragement I take from that is when you look back at um, all the, you know, the talk about Denver Hume, I don't see too many Sunderland fans criticizing him before the summer, um, after which the, the contract 
um, situation, his dispute up there at Sunderland seemed to have muddied the waters and, and dented his standing with supporters. I don't see any of that prior, all that talk which Pompey fans seem to be judging a lot of Denver Hume on at the moment. Give him a chance. Let's, let's see him in a blue shirt and how he performs there. So broadly encouraged, work to do. Yeah, let's get stuck into where we go next. I'm sure that's one of your follow-up questions. Yeah. Um, Sam, what's been your eye catching moment so far in the window? Or is there more than one? Yeah, as I say, I think they've been very savvy. I think their overall behaviour in the window has been been uh, encouraging. Obviously, they had clear idea of what they needed and they went out and got it. I think the, the sign of Tyler Walker would be one we want to look out for. Obviously, there's always eyes on a goal scorer when they when they come into a new club. Um, but again, the, the the way in which they've been almost ruthless about it, there could have been a way of sitting back in that left wing back position and gone, we're happy with. Hackett and Brown to the end of the season, then we'll reevaluate them. But they've seen the the opportunity in the, the window to go and 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 target that and improve that area where it gives us a glimpse of you know the way Pompey will probably play towards the end of the season with the wing backs. Um, obviously we've been questioning that this week whether to go with the back four or the back three. But now he's signed and and obviously they've paid money for him. It's clear that he'll he'll probably stick with the left wing back. So yeah, overall as as you already said, they get the players out early doors bringing players, identify those players and, and get them in, obviously with, with four days remaining, gives them that time to explore other options and targets they probably weren't expecting on, on being able to move for this window. So yeah, overall, very encouraging, but there's still obviously work to do. Both of you have mentioned Denver here, but we'll, we'll, we'll just wait a minute for that there, wouldn't they? Jordy, so at their four signings, Ollie Weber brings up the four signings, the goalkeeper from Crystal Palace. Um, what, four and a half days, as we say, to go? Are you anticipating much more from Pompey? Or do you think at this stage it's going to be wait and see? If anything crops up, we may, but we, we could be satisfied. Oh, I think there'd be definitely um, at least one more. Um, I can remember going back to Harry Redknapp's... No, Graham Ricks was the first manager I worked with at the news, and then mainly in, first in Harry Redknapp. And uh, obviously, he was a king of uh, working the press and and the transfer market and the whole the whole transfer game. And he was the first one I heard it from. Two more players, I'm always two players short. <laughs> and it's you know it's become a one of the um, sort of stereotype for managers now to come up with that. And uh, it's almost passe now, isn't it? The two the two more players adage. Danny Cowley's a fan of that one and, and jokes about it himself. And now he's he's often used that in his career. Um, the two more players now it becomes actually something with a degree more credence because I felt that Pompey would look to go big on an, an attacking player with what was left in their budget. But has the has the, the focus shifted somewhat off the news of Ryan Tunnicliffe and, and his troublesome injury issues? Because for all the world that Pompey looked well stocked, that they are in midfield, they are one lighter with Miguel Aziz going. I thought they'd still be okay, possibly, but on reflection. If Tunnicliffe's not going to be, is, is a question mark. Louis Thompson, he's been managed all season with his injuries and um, it's something that Danny Cowley's been very delicate um, or worked with very delicately with, 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 with Louis to avoid him breaking down with all the injuries he's had in the past. And Sean Williams, who I've been discussing with our, a lot of people on, uh, on Twitter in the last couple of hours um, about his attributes or lack of. Um, he's, 35 years, he's 35 years old now. Uh, and has played a lot of football for, for someone of, of that age and, um, and mobility has seen, our, our fans seem to uh, have an issue with uh, with Sean. 
Uh, and Danny Cowley himself says he doesn't want to play uh, in a three-game week. He won't like to use Sean Williams in all those games. All of a sudden, it starts to look a little bit threadbare then. So does he look to get a body in there? And um, obviously, bearing him on the loans are taking up. It's going to have to be a permanent. Um, yeah, so how do things turn there? So it's all it's all a bit malleable, I, I think, at the moment. How and It's on availability. Danny Kelly said that. It's who becomes available as well. Um, he might have his ideas, but it's which players come up. And then how long does he hold his nerve for? Um, going up to the Monday at 11pm and I just the Charlton talk and have it all buttoned up by then it won't be the case I'm sure um, but yeah I think there's going to be a few twists and turns yeah that's for sure We all know then Sam there is Carly wanted to to add to in the window he's managed to do that there but all of a sudden there is there is weaknesses there's they're like now in the midfield and as Jordy said at one point they were well stocked now it's not necessarily the case I'm with two strikers going and only one brought in they still need that extra one. So if do you think Carly will try and bring in two or do you think he'll prioritise one over the other? Well, as I already said, they're always two, two away. But I think sometimes it's probably beneficial to go maybe all out for one and get a really established good player in, in one position, then spread it out and try and bring two players of, of lesser quality, really. Um, as I said, they're, they're probably expecting one to, to come in but like you say that they've let more strikers go out than they've brought in so far and they say a week ago they probably weren't even analysing the, the central midfield market and now they've been thrown into that with the injuries and and obviously Miguel Aziz leaving so yeah of course they'll, they'll they'll be searching the market again it's about availability if they can find the right fit in both positions and I'm sure they'll move for it but I think speaking to Cowley and, and knowing what he wants you know, he says two two players per position. You know, they've got George Hurst. They've got Tyler Walker now up front. Obviously, we've seen Ronan Curtis play up front. We've seen um, Marcus Harness do the same as well. I think they might go for, as you say, that central midfield role just because, as you say, Sean Williams and Louis Thompson, we've heard Cowley say it numerous times, that they can't play a free game week. So if Tyler Cliff's on the sidelines, one of them is going to probably have to or they're going to chop and change between them. So... Yeah, they, they probably need an extra body in there. I think they'll probably prioritise that going towards towards Monday. Jordy, I, no, I, think, I, think, I think think about Mark. Sorry, is um just does Danny plan for now to get to the playoffs? Does he base these decisions now on getting to the playoffs this season, or is he taking a longer term view with the midfielder? You know, or, or where he goes, is it going to be a play he comes up? He thinks right, I can have him. It'll be good for next season. I might just take my chances on how I am for midfield now. Bearing in mind, a lot of people feel this is a season of transition now. Um, whether you know you believe that or think it's a free hit or not, I think we should be demanding a playoff place. But I know yeah. that's, I'm not. You know, there's, there's people that would disagree with me on that. So does he take a longer term view? Bearing in mind, it'll probably be a permanent coming in, um, and you're going to probably then have to commit to a contract of you know 18 months, even two two and a half years. So there's that all to factor into the into the mix. And does he take a bit of a punt on, oh, I might not have quite the cover in midfield, like he did on the left side for, for the first half of the season, really, before Denver Hume came up. So I think that's a consideration too. Yeah. Well, like, we keep on talking about strikers, we keep on talking about midfielders, but, like, there's no point in having a striker. And bear in mind, probably got rid of Ellis Harrison and John Marquis. If there's no creativity there, so, like, is that a... <laughs> third strand he needs to look at or does he look for somebody who 
can play midfield and create as you look for a striker you can drop back and, and be that link up with the number nine like so again yeah. where's the creativity coming from we need that creativity it's been exposed this past well, it's been exposed for the past couple of weeks again now hasn't it yeah I mean that's why I've, um, the, the Sean Williams um, article that's creating some debate the thrust of that not particularly about Sean Williams in particular but Pompey have lacked that creativity I've been so infuriated watching crosses lately I mean, pet hate of mine, corners not getting past the first man. I've had it for you. Even back in the days of Nico Cranshaw, he used to do it. And um, I just, for the life of me, I think for all season, for my corners, I'm digressing because it winds me up. But um, you, you just pitch a corner up. Don't worry about the dip and swerve. Just put it up. And at some <laughs> point, one of the big centre-halves is going to knock one in. I mean, and we'd be better off than we currently stand on our threat from set pieces, where we're just obsessed with putting balls in and bang near post, away it goes. A bit like that with the with the quality of crosses in open play as well. It's so infuriating. Um, and it's not been good enough. I know Marlon Romero gets pinpointed by some. I think Rico Hackett's been really culpable of, of, his, of his end product. He really needs to improve on that. Um, and it's letting Pompey down. Uh, but it's not just about that. It's about the kind of intricacies and the uh, not just getting the ball out and getting crosses in. You know, It's about players coming in in the half space, as they call it now, I'm an old school, so I call it the channel, you know, and, and creating, you know, the inverted wings that come in on their stronger foot inside. And and there's there's different ways to skin a cow and Pompey aren't finding any of them at the moment. Uh, so we're desperately short there. Um, and it leads me to one man I keep mentioning and I stand by it. He's Pompey's most creative player, Michael Jacobs. What we've got, our most, we've, got an, we've probably got an answer in the building. In, in Michael Jacobs, I just think it's criminal how, how much he's been underused, these 10-minute cameos. Um, he did more in 10 minutes at Sunderland than the rest <laughs> did in 19. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, I am not kidding. He came on, he pepped things up, he got the ball, he engaged defenders, he brought on tackle. There was one run which took out, he, he got, I thought he was going to go on a jinky Maradona all the way through and score, and he just got caught at the last. And it was just so much more than we've seen from all the, all the rest of the players combined in, on the front foot. I just think that he needs to be used more. Um, and if he does go, and Danny Kelly does want to get rid of him, uh, which we'll wait and see, then there's got to be a really... I mean, he, he's not, he doesn't come cheap, so there's an opportunity, if that happens, to get a really good replacement. If not, please use Michael Jacobs more, because there's an answer there to Pompey's creative problems. Or well, certainly a better answer than I'm seeing from a lot of the other players at the moment. Sam, Sam, what is the problem with Michael Jacobs? We all know, like a lot of fans know, he is such a good player. I'm going to say that again. In terms of creating, is, is Danny Cowley placing all his eggs in one basket in terms of Marcus Harness being that link? Like Marcus Harness, he's had a really good season, but he's went off the board a wee bit. Like, so what, what's the problem with Michael Jacobs? I'm, I'm not too sure. As I say, what Johnny says, we've, so we've all seen it in these. these cameo appearances that he can be that creative influence I think sometimes with managers and players I'm not calling Danny Cowley stubborn at all but sometimes they've got this pre-idea <laughs> with players Michael you never say a bad thing about your sweetheart Danny Cowley Sam did you? <laughs> no we don't, to, we don't want to talk about we've got a, we've got a bromance going on if, if anyone's <laughs> absolute bromance between anyway, let's Sam carry on we've got um yeah, so uh, with, with Jacobs, obviously, he was close to his departure in the summer of Ipswich, that was well documented. Jacobs himself has come out and said that he doesn't fit the, the system Cowley plays, and Cowley said that as well. So it might just be a trust issue with, with the instructions and probably Phil's 
what he sees on the training pitch that the harness gives him more. But as you say, what we've seen from him and, and you know, at times when the front line's gone a bit stale, even from starts of games, Jacobs could be that integral player to, to unlock those defences. And if, as we've seen, I think it, the question mark earlier in the season was probably about his fitness. I saw him in the Hampshire Senior Cup game against Basingstoke. And to be honest, he, he looked off the pace there again in, against a team of you know, non-league players. So from around that time, you could probably see why he wasn't getting selected. But now, as you say, coming on at Sunderland and doing so well, then Pompey could probably do a lot worse than, than keeping hold of him and, and using him towards the end of the season, depending on what they want to do. In terms of what, what you said earlier, in terms of the, the player who can probably play in that number 10 role and the central midfield role, I think that's someone Cowley's probably already tried to identify. We saw it earlier in the season with Tunnicliffe when he played him in central midfield. I saw him play in the 10 role at MK Dons and of course it didn't quite work out. So he's probably on someone on his radar of someone who could probably do both roles and, and can sit deep or, or go forward. So that's someone on the radar and obviously We've seen it from Jacobs, probably isn't an out-and-out number eight central midfielder, more of a winger, so he can come inside. So that's probably the type of profile of player he's probably looking at. But as I'm back on Michael Jacobs, I think probably do a lot worse than giving him an extended run in the team. Jordy, could it be a simple case that Danny Curry thinks he's more impactful coming on as a substitute than he is starting the game? Yeah, 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 uh, absolutely that. Uh, uh, the last time I really um, came up was kind of probably back end of November, early December. Maybe, maybe, yeah, when, around the time we played Ginningham, Um and he came off and scored, it came off in it. And Michael Jacobs spoke really well about it after after that. Um, he, he's a good egg. He's not an agitator. He won't be causing any trouble. He's had an open dialogue with Danny Cowley throughout um, about his place in the team, how how it works. Um, he's had the, the uh, much spoken about situation with Ipswich earlier oh at the start of the season so that was clear that Danny wasn't going to stand in his way there then with the formation going to the 3-4-1-2 or 3-4-3 as it was at different stages there was the debate when Marcus Harness was nailed on and playing really well it it didn't really work for Michael Jacobs isn't a wing back so you know it's kind of that debate about where else does does he fit in the team as it's become a one and a two that's that's kind of really crystallised uh, because you know Harness was kind of almost immovable when, when he was in that such fine fettle. He's not in that fine fettle at the moment. He's dropped off a bit, so that's probably why the question with you know, some justification is being asked at the moment because the number ten certainly is a in a, a position that Michael Jacobs is, is made for. So um, he's got. I think he's very close to starting. By the way, and there was a when we asked Danny Cowley about that, he was kind of last week. Yes, Michael Jacobs did take the game. Or the scruff of the net, he did change it when he came on and he is training very well. So, you know, I think he, he was kind of almost suggesting himself that it's time that he, he's getting he's getting very close to starting now. Yeah. Um, and quite right for, for that clamour to be, be there. Do you get the impression though that Danny Curley would be quite happy if he left, say, so he gets bringing somebody that he wants, he really wants for opposition, or do you get the sense that no? Cowley's starting to recognise that you know he could be a key influence for us over the second half of the season. Uh, publicly, he's not going to say that he's he's happy to, you know, to get rid of him. I think he, he's got a good relationship with. He has genuinely got a good relationship. Yeah. That's not smoke and mirrors. I think uh, it, it's a decent working relationship. So if he's going to um, be sort of landed with with Michael Jacobs for the rest of the season, and my sort of information. 
a couple of weeks ago now was Michael Jake, and I don't know if it's changed, but I don't think there's any reason to. I will be updating on it. Is Michael Jacobs is perfectly happy where he is, and um, he, he's not pushing for a move. And I know Doncaster was moving; he had no interest, you know, interest in going to to a club like that at the moment. So he was of the mind, okay, if something comes up, brilliant. If not, great. I, 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 you know, I'll, I'll stay here. I'm content and I'll, I'll see out my season here and then plot my next move in the summer. And he's got that contract. Now, for Danny Cowley's point of view, he's done very well to free up a lot of those wages that he didn't think he would do. And I think that if Marcus, John Marcus, didn't go out, perhaps I might, there might have been a, a keener, yeah. you know, more, more push for Jacobs to go. And it might still well be still be the case because if you do want to get two in, like the midfielder and an attacking player, then something might have to give. And it could be, it could be that Michael Jacobs is that man. Um, so as I say there's kind of lots of different elements to to the whole sort of jigsaw at the moment and, and it's very it, it's very variable about how it comes up does that player become available that you're holding on for or do you have to go for that one that you've got in the, on the back burner and is it, are both players are two players going to come up in both positions if, if so then you might have to get a cheaper one in unless you get rid of a, another player like Jacobs has got to find a home for example so yeah. it's all that kind of into the melting pot from that's the whole nucleus of, of, of the narrative as we come to transfer deadline. Yeah. Well, so it's it's worth it's worth keeping an eye on then, Sam Michael Jacobs. But what about a potential for another departure, i.e., Lee Brown? Like we ran a story today. Um, Andy Cullen addressed the links with Wimbledon. There's nothing there. But can you see can you see sense in that they're potentially having not necessarily the Wimbledon, but Brian leaving this month? Yeah, I think so, especially with his contract expiring in, in the summer. They, they might have a view, like we say, to to move him on now in order to free up the space to to cover two players that, that they want, especially with Denver Hume coming in. And we've seen Rico Hackett probably preferred over Brown in their left wing-back role. So, as you say, he's fallen down the pecking order immensely in recent weeks in terms of that, that back five. Obviously, Cowley sees Ogilvie as a left centre back, or obviously when Clark Robertson returns to full fitness, so he won't be playing there. Left wing back, say Denver Hume, that's presumably his spot now. Rico Hackett just behind him. So Liam Vincent has been a bit quiet on him about his situation, injuries and stuff. But again, he's another player in that role. So I say Pompey are well stocked. So looking at potential financial avenues that they could take and get, Lee Brown probably is high up on the agenda due to that contract expiring in the summer. They could lose him on a free. They could lose him on a free now, but free out the wages now to to bring in someone. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's an interesting one. Definitely one to keep an eye on. You know, if there's interested clubs, obviously, FC Wimbledon's gone quiet now with what what Neil uh, reported on today. But it's definitely someone who, who's up there. But you know, been a good servant, and they say he's coming to the end of his career. It's probably round about the right time for him to find that move. To, to where he's based and, and somewhere that he'll, he'll settle and, and look to wind down his career. Jordy, when you look at the likes of Ellis Harrison, Paul Downing, John Marcus, there are four players that have left, uh, was that three or four players? Yeah, who have left um, Pompey this window. They all take a certain boxes. They all take on the fringes, high earners, contracts out at the end of the season. And there's no denying yeah. Lee Brown, as much as I actually quite like Lee Brown, I actually think he's, he's, he's decent. Uh, um, I, it does take an awful lot of those boxes, doesn't it? Yeah, big character, Lee Brown. Um, if you're one of those 
managers like Paul Kirk, who just had so many characters like that, you know, big experienced leaders, proper men, thought, you know, you thought they taught the dressing room, any problems out in the dressing room on their own. Lee Brown's one of those. Kenny Jackett effectively came in and just kind of wiped those all out. And I think he was yeah. like, what? you kind of wiped the leadership out of the team. So I was glad when Lee, I, I thought Pompey was dying for a few more like Lee Brown, actually. Um, he would come and knock a few heads together. And he, uh, no, I, I value that that part of it um, as much as as much as what he does on the pitch, Lee Brown. I don't think you see, you see that. Um, but he's, uh, yeah, I expect from Danny Cowley's point of view, he's probably maybe not, not the easiest to manage. Maybe that's nice. I mean, he's made him <laughs> his vice captain, but he's very headstrong, isn't he, Lee Brown? He, he, and um, yeah, I, I just wonder now with, with Lee, Lee Brown getting to that stage of his career, um, he's um, got his business interests. Um, he's, he's not playing for the money. He doesn't need the money, that's for sure. Um, he, he's successful outside of football. Um, he's up from that part of the world, just on the fringes of London. Uh, so whether a move up to, you know, nearer, nearer the capital would, would work for him. And of course, what, where you look at it, it would free up some more money. And if, if he did go, Pompey would be with the same numbers and cover on the left side, i.e. Conor Ogilvy, Rico Hackett, and now Denver Hume with Brown going out. That yeah. it would then, But then you've actually got what Danny Cowley sought for this window is desperate for an orthodox left wing back and Hume fits that a heck of a lot better than Lee Brown did if he went. You'd have the kind of left back cover with Hume and Ogilvy and the wing back covered with Hackett and Hume. So it would tick the boxes and then free up some money for, for Danny to maybe kind of get one or two more or one extra in, um, you know, ahead, ahead of Monday. So I can see, I could see that, that progressing um, as things go on. Um, it's probably just a case of watch this space on that. Um, yeah, but uh, the official line from Pompey being from Andy Cullen, the official line is uh, now official at the moment. That doesn't mean they won't be now official by by uh, 11 o'clock on, on Monday. Yeah, definitely. Um, so both of you have mentioned Darren for Hume. We'll say we'll come back to him. Sam, are you surprised that Pompey have had out or reported 200,000 for, for a player? Well, if you look at it, he's only 23 years old, someone who's grown up and, and is accustomed to League One football, to the top end of League One football, obviously being with Sunderland. I think it made a, made a no-brainer of a deal, really. As you say, 200,000 in, in the current sort of climate. I know League One's slightly different, but 200,000 is, is a good price for someone who'd sort of signed a new contract in, in the summer, spend a new deal with Sunderland, so 200 grand to get him out of that. Um, I know it went sour there, but yeah, I think it's promising, you know, someone who's obviously got the youth on his side who can grow alongside of the club, but also plugs a gap that, that was desperately needing to be filled in Danny Cowley's squad. As you say, someone who, who knows the division inside out, as you say, it's, it's a no-brainer for me. And it, it, it just strikes that balance of defence and attack of the link, left wing back that Pompey haven't had all season. I think I've said it on the live video that we've done with, with Pepe throughout the week that, and, and we've just alluded to it here, Lee Brown in that left wing back role probably give you something missing going forward, being more of an orthodox left back. And Rico Hackett, who's been playing there, gives you that attacking sense going forward, but has been caught out a few times defensively. So now when you sign someone who could probably do the best of both, it just adds that much, a much better balance towards that back five. And I say, probably hope unlock a few more doors along the way that, that Pompey needs in terms of goal scoring. So yeah, it, it's definitely a deal with, with the view for the future, not just until the end of the season, trying to sneak into the playoffs. It's someone who they can look to nurture 
for next season and beyond. So, yeah, it makes sense for, for everyone involved, for sure. I suppose, Jordy, the question anybody would be asking, I know we've got money for Marquis and Harrison, etc. Where's this money come from? We've been told Pompey have been pleading poverty, like, so uh, has the Eisners dipped their hands in the pockets or has Danny Curley been saving the 50p's every week for this past six months or what's how? <laughs> They've been able to fork this money, pay this money off. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um... Somewhere possibly between the two, I, I guess. Um, the kind of line is that Pompey have been at the top of their budget or gone beyond their budget, actually, at the end of, end of the summer window uh, to get Joe Morrell in. That was uh, one that it was uh, the uh, the artist went beyond what the uh, existing budget was, which, for the record, we have been told by Eric Eisner is above what Kenny Jackett's been given uh, in the past. Um, I know that's a cause of um, some a bone of contention with uh, with a lot of supporters um, and some people within the club as well uh, have questioned that. Um, so now we come round to this. My, my, when I heard that fee mentioned, I was told about that fee last weekend. Yeah, I was surprised. I was well, well probably haven't got any money to spend. Where's this, where's this fee? But obviously, a deal can be constructed in such a way on appearances and, um, and at certain periods that Pompey aren't going to be paying two hundred thousand pound up front. Um, and I'm sure that uh, Sunderland are, are happy to do a deal for that money, uh, but perhaps their priority, rather than having the cash up front, because they are, you know, they're in a different position to Pompey financially at the moment. But what they want to do is protect um, the work they've put into Denver Humans since he was eight years old. Um, now, if he'd been out of contract um, and it had gone to tribunal, the indications were that he would have been valued in the region of three quarters of a million pound. So that was probably some of the consternation and uh, over, over the contract stuff and that wrangling that went on um, with him until October, was it? October, November time. Uh, so Sunderland would want to protect their what the, the, the work they've put in for him and that, that probably obviously comes in the form of a, of a substantial sell-on clause. That would be what Sunderland would be keen to do. So... Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that so much about the fee when you can throw in the considerations of what would be up front. Uh, but Pompey, uh, again, Andy Cullen said to Neil Allen today that uh, they can go on a case by case basis to uh, free up money, and the Isers have done that, or well, they've made the commitment to anyway. Um, let's see if they get asked again before Monday. <laughs> Right, okay. Well, I'm looking at the time. We've got five minutes left, and there's one subject, Jordy. I know you'll be delighted to talk about. Um, oh, man. Yeah, I've upset the supporters <laughs> enough today. I've been on social media, and now I've got about, I'm about to drop another grenade, aren't I? You're about to drop another one, Meg. So, yeah, by the time this comes out, we'll have our story out there, Meg. So, but yeah, you've got, you've got a wee bit of a Ben Thompson update, haven't you? Burn in mind, yesterday, Twitter went crazy. <laughs> Front and faithful, everybody forget about Denver Hume, forget about Ollie. Oh, What's going on with Ben Thompson? The oh, completely Denver. overshadowed. So, Jordy, come on, what's what's your exclusive? A poor old Denver Hume, yeah, he gets that, that deal announced, and then everyone's like, announce Ben Thompson. Everyone's kind of like, <laughs> Ollie Weber, yum, yum, yum. Denver Hume, yeah, yeah but what's my dessert? I actually want a main course, I want a nice, juicy steak. Give me Ben Thompson. Ben Thompson <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's what everyone wants, of course. Um, yeah, and we've we've avoided it until this point. But I think when when Ben Thompson is trending nationally, 
on uh, in the in Great Britain or UK, I think it was on on Twitter, which it wasn't even in the, in the local trends. It was nationally because there was such a furore for Pompey fans calling for his arrival. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of worth making the inroads to just 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 to check. You know, Pompey are looking for a midfielder, possibly still. Or they, no, they could be looking for a midfielder given what we've spoken about. And you know, does that does he want a kind of link player? Could Ben Thompson fit in as a link player? Maybe I'm not sure. So we're just looking to look into just just to be hundred percent sure, uh, which we're probably not. But um, <laughs> the are from the uh, from the from the work that I've done today, uh, Ben Thompson. No, no, I'm sorry, doesn't look doesn't look like it's going to happen at this stage. At this stage, <laughs> that'd be the caveat that I throw in. At this stage, yeah. no, it looks unlikely. I'm, I'm told Pompey haven't. Uh, there's no interest from Pompey at the moment. Um, and it's not much interest, but yeah, I think there might be one or two sniffs from other clubs for for Ben Ben Thompson. But um, of course, I mean, Gary must say as well. Gary, Gary Rabbit, Rabbit basically indicating that with six months left on his contract, that you know he'd be open to offers for Ben once again, and he's played five games all season. And Pompey fans got to remember as well that he's had kind of forty five minutes earlier this month since September. He's not, you know, apart from that, it's under the 23 football. So if you are looking for players to come in and, and hit the ground running now, I'm not sure Ben Thompson's necessarily going to be that man. And I am Ben Thompson's biggest fan. I think he's one of the best players <laughs> we had in the last 10, since we come out of the Premier League, actually. Yeah. I think he's right. Yeah, I really, that's how much I love Ben Thompson. Uh, I just think he's, he's everything I admire in a footballer. So don't, I would love it. I would just, it'd be the best. But... It's been three and a half years since Ben Thompson signed for Pompey. Are Pompey going to be getting the same Ben Thompson if it was theoretically to happen? I'm not so sure as well. I need to get him up to speed. But as I say, I'm not surprised Danny Cowley probably... He has asked a question this month. Now I'm going to get myself get fans at it again. But he has been asking one or two people, Danny Cowley, what do you think about that idea? Uh, but I think it's everything points to no interest being registered at the moment. That's everything I know on Ben Thompson. That's it. I will not, will not prolong this conversation then. Um, we'll leave the last word with you then, Sam. So, yeah, Monday, 11 o'clock is the deadline. If you were looking at a crystal ball, what what do you anticipate happening in the, over the next couple of days then? I'm going to use the words of my, my good friend Danny Cowley and say, be excited. What do you reckon? Drop yourself in. It's gonna drop yourself in. Ride. I think one more. I think they'll they'll find one more. That's what I say. And then whoever cropped. But again, it depends on if they can get anyone to go. But I say there's definitely deals to be done in and out. So as you say, strap yourselves in. You know, you know that you know, I'm sure you're aware, Mark, about Danny's sort of remarking on good looks of Sam. What have you heard about this? Yes, it's been mentioned in a couple of WhatsApp messages. I've been aware. I think my camera must have been off when he when he said that. I mean, he must have been looking at the wrong person. Well, Sam, with myself, Jordan, and Neil Allen, yeah, you're the looker out of all four of us legs. <laughs> I would take that there a compliment there. So. <laughs> I'll just I'll say no not, comment on that. Not not much of a compliment up against us is it <laughs> no definitely not like so that's not saying much at all then Sam so but um, <laughs> we will crack on and maybe let you spend some quiet time with Danny Curley Sam if you can get it um, I'm looking forward to speaking to him tomorrow <laughs> thank you both for your contribution today and um, thank you all for watching and um, we're back on the podcast as well so you can get this episode up Pompey Talk Hooray! Bye. so thank you all and we'll see you all again soon goodbye
Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the Portsmouth News website for everything you need to know about Pompey.